0: Today on OxlefM, you join us for our annual Year in Review episode as Gelada, Tony and I discuss the games we played in 2021. Hello and welcome to the episode of Octal FM. I'm Saffron.
1: And I'm Gelada,
0: And we are joined yet again for our yearly breakdown of games we've played by Tony. Hello. Hello. Welcome back again. Uh, I, have you been on the show since last year? I don't remember.
2: Uh, I don't think so. No? I'm not sure. Um, um, think, oh no, I think I have. Yeah, there was
1: something. Uh, what was it?
2: Uh,
1: Fez? You came on Soundbite to talk about Fez. That's this year, I think.
2: Yeah. That well, one.
1: welcome back. Either way,
0: um, <laughs> becoming a little bit of a yearly tradition, uh, we are going to be discussing our games of 2021 today. Mm. This is becoming a little bit of a thing for Ockleham now. It's definitely not to pad out our
1: episode list. Not at all. For holidays. It's not the easy stuff around Christmas, you know, so we that we do. don't have to think too hard eating mince pies.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, these, these aren't necessarily games that we uh, that came out in 2021. Uh, these are games that we've played in 2021. Yeah, some of these games we have actually talked about. Throughout the year, like on maybe a soundbite Or maybe on like a genre defining Or something like that um, Some games we just haven't mentioned at all And we've been yep. quietly playing them in the background Until this today to discuss them Yeah But it's been a slow year for all of us, I think And in fairness, I think Tony's mm. probably played more than any of us Yeah. Really. So we're going to be relying <laughs> on you to do some of the heavy lifting today, I'm afraid <laughs> But we'll we'll start off With uh, with you, Joe. Ja. What have you mm. been
1: playing this year? Yeah, like, I didn't, like A couple of years ago, I started playing a lot more Switch because I was commuting and I was like, I'm going to play more games. I'm going to play more games on the train. That's how I'm going to get through games. But last year I stopped commuting into London. This year I haven't been commuting into London. Um, So that like dialed back my Switch gaming. And last year in the, in like full on lockdown, I played a lot of things like Heroes of the Storm and stuff like mm. that like we were playing a lot of stuff online playing a lot together we we played a lot of Elite last year as well mm. like as a yeah. as like two or three of us so yeah like in general my gaming's really down this year both social and normal and also no lamp we still haven't had any lamp parties no, for 2 no, years that's, now that's uh, um,
0: that's been a long time now it's been nearly two, two full years since we had yeah, a lamp party exactly
1: um but one of the games that I did play um which we have talked about on uh, octal fm already is mini motorways oh, uh, fantastic. which you put me onto and it actually turned into my covid game nice. I, I played it when i when i had coronavirus and i was sat stuck in here uh, and i played i was playing mini motorways is if you're not familiar you could go listen to soundbite 83 but you may have played mini metro uh, on mobile that was really yes. popular like you just draw roads between shops and houses and they're like the same color houses need to go to the same color shops uh, and it gets increasingly difficult Mm, uh, because you only have a limited amount of like tiles to work with yeah right exactly and you can move stuff around but then they still have to like complete their journeys so you can't like always move stuff around and yeah it's a really easy time sync it works surprisingly well on desktop despite feeling like a mobile game yeah which i think is good and it had some balance issues on launch i know you and i talked about this like there are traffic lights in the game, but they are useless. Yeah, pretty, pretty rubbish.
0: <laughs> Unless you have them on like a at junction at first, yeah. where
1: then they didn't really work properly because the traffic didn't slow down at all. Yeah.
0: They were a little bit overpowered.
1: But they like they've mostly fixed that. Like there have been updates. It's by Dinosaur Polo Club. They've done Mini Metro and this. I think Mini Motorways has been much more successful. And I yeah. think the only thing, like it, it's it's very it's a nice relaxing game mostly, but. I think the randomness can be a bit frustrating. Yeah, Like, in the sense that, like, sometimes you can just be like, oh, I've just, my, that's it. Like, that's the gas game. Because the game has, like, put something in a place that is really, really difficult to... It's next to impossible to try and get traffic over to, like, efficiently. Exactly. And, yeah, so you're just like, well, I guess I'll give up now because I'm not going to be able to do anything. And it can be really frustrating. Like, if you want to try and move, you get, like, motorways that allow you to move, like, do sort of like long distance stuff over terrain, yeah, and over your other roads. But the, once you've placed one, you basically can't move it because you now have cars that are using it, and it takes forever. And by the time, like, and then they will try and find another path, and yeah, it. You can just you can ruin it by just accidentally even trying to move a motorway. Yeah. Can, yeah like for sure. break, break your, you know, your run. So yeah, ending on a negative note, I do really like mini motorways. I keep playing it every now and then. And, uh, yeah, that's sort of, that's my, my first choice. I've also really enjoyed playing mini motorways. I didn't add
0: it on my list because I knew you had, but that's a <laughs> game that I thoroughly enjoyed as well. And I've sat and played through I need to k- k- go back to it. Cause I think they've added some new content. Yes,
1: there's like a there's couple speed. of new
0: cities and stuff you could play through. And yeah,
1: some new cities. I think there's like a new challenge mode of some kind nice. um, that they've added. Uh, yeah
0: yeah it, it's very therapeutic to play um mm. because it's it's very minimalistic looking has a nice very relaxed soundtrack to it of like a very mellow beats type of thing
1: yeah exactly and, but it's
0: also it scratches that sort of like problem-solving itch you know so that's yeah. that's been a wonderful little game for me to enjoy but then at the same time in terms of problem-solving itches that's been well scratched oh, wow. for me this year Good segue. Was one of the games from Basically, the very beginning of the year that we played almost as soon as we would finished recording this set of episodes last year was Dyson Sphere Program,
1: Mm. uh,
0: which I know you also enjoyed quite a lot. And that one came out pretty much bang on at the beginning of the year, January 2021. It's still in early access technically, so lots Mm. of new content being added. I haven't played it for about like six plus months now, and I know there's a lot of new content. So what I'm saying is a little bit out of date, but I'm sure most of it still applies. Um, it's only on PC, unfortunately, it's not on any other console right now, although I imagine trying to play this on something like a PlayStation or an Xbox would be pretty tough.
1: Yeah, I want to try and play it on my Switch. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Tiny little screen.
0: Um, and it is £15.49 on Steam right now, which is a pretty good price, all all things considered, I think, considering mm-hmm. how uh, well fleshed out of the game it is. And it's kind of something along the lines of, like, Factorio or Satisfactory, things like that, like Mindustry. that we've yeah. talked about on the, this, this, uh, this show plenty of times before, but it, it really takes the level of organization of logistics to the next level, in my opinion. Like not only is it about sort of like implementing a fully automated system of like manufacturing and mining and et cetera, et cetera. Honest to God, the most fun I had was perfecting the logistics because although it's fun to sort of like design your layout, Mm. it's getting things to the right places at the right times, which is more important because So many things need so many other things in the game. Like, you harvest iron, but then you can turn that iron into steel. But then you could also turn the iron into like little washers or electromagnets. And so, like, one component, one one base material can be turned into like four different things. And those four Mm -hmm. different things can be turned into two other things each, you know. But then, like, some things need twice the amounts of other things and so it's impossible to just have like one manufacturing unit going to the next manufacturing like in factorio like you can basically just make one production line right because everything just feeds each other but here you can't do that because so many things need to take from each other and as a result you don't want to end up like understaffed or overstaffed in certain areas in terms of the amount of resources going to it it's such a wonderful balancing act and getting that logistics of moving stock around a planet, but then proceeding to move stock around between planets themselves and then proceeding to move them between solar systems. It's, it's a wonderful uh, balancing act of logistics.
1: I think, yeah, I think the, the thing that amazed me most about Dyson sphere program was that like unfolding, like where like you're on a planet. Okay. Now it's multiple planets. Okay. Now it's multiple stars. And like, it just, it reminds me of did you ever play Universal Paperclips which I know sounds ridiculous but it's like this it's like this little web-based game that looks like it has no style it's like a basic HTML page with like basic HTML buttons and you play as like an AI creating paperclips and over time like stuff unfolds it's sort of got this it it, there's like a a sort of like fable I guess behind it uh, if you like uh, which is like this ai all it wants to do is make more paperclips like that's the rule like it's been given the instructions to like make as many paperclips as fast as you can and so in the end you as you keep playing the game eventually you are consuming the entire universe to make paperclips and like (laughs) that's how it like uh, that's the like level that it unfolds to and it's like the percentage of the universe that has been converted into (laughs) paperclips is basically how it gets measured at the end like you start with like a thing that automatically makes them, and then factories, and then you know all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a Dyson Very sphere, but it's like the same in the yeah. sense that like it's like first you're mining this little thing by hand, and now you're consuming the entire planet to make a Dyson sphere. Right, that's yeah. the sort and of and you're ending. consuming
0: the entire planet for almost like one resource, and that's all the whole planet is for at that yeah. point. And then exactly. the entire galaxies become open to exploitation. And the great thing is, is that the mechanics work from a really micro scale of like, you know, you running around individually as your little like unit Mm. does everything to having almost everything automated, you know, and you can still tweak things wherever you go. And they've added a lot of updates to make things easier, kind of better quality of life options, basically to to manage those things easier over time. Mm. Um, It's a little janky in places still. Like, placing certain things down feels a bit awkward inventory management wasn't brilliant at first it's a little better than now Mm. but it's like i say it's constantly being updated and i imagine it's in an even better state now than it was when i last played it yeah Um, i
1: think i'd I'd struggle to go back to it i feel like and start again Mm. you know because i'm like man i put so many hours into one save but i would now struggle to go back to it like that's probably my my negative for dyson's fit like i haven't played it again since i stopped playing it maybe i'd be fine because i'd be like oh, I, I know so much more now. Yeah, and
0: really, you can you know. kind of make a slightly more efficient start. Because so, one of the beauties about the game is kind of realising how inconsequential your decisions were early on. Like, I remember getting genuinely quite upset with myself, going, oh, I need to restart the whole game because I've not placed this particular mine in the right location. And then, like, you get, like, 20 hours on, and you have a, an entire planet spanning logistics, and you're like, it really didn't bloody matter, did it? Because you're deleting yeah. stuff on the rates of knots to move stuff around and make it more efficient all the time at that point, so... it's, It's a game I absolutely recommend checking out if you enjoy that level of solo play, you know, working on your own to find the best solution overall for a problem. Yeah. And I believe that's one of the games you've been playing as well, has a similar sort of idea where it's all about solving a problem either together or on your own, Sony.
2: Yeah, I would say it's a bit like oil and water. But, um, yeah, that's a good way of comparing them. But I've been playing the new Monster Hunter game, mm. or not for a while, actually, but when it came out, I had it on launch and pretty much only played that for a couple of months. Um, it's the first, uh, well, I think it's the first Switch entry in, of the series. I think they ported, maybe ported something over, like, generations, I can't remember. Yes, but it's definitely yeah. the first new
0: one. Like native to the Switch, almost.
2: Yeah, and it's, I really like it. It's very sort of like an japanese feeling i know it's a japanese game anyway but the sort of hub area is very sort of i don't know what you call it yeah um so it's very very nice i like that but essentially the the loop is you fight a big monster or little little ones get their parts which is a bit savage Um, (laughs) make stuff out of the parts like weapons armor and then this allows you to fight bigger and scarier monsters to then harvest their stuff Uh, so it's very grindy but it feels i felt like this one felt a lot less grindy which is good Mm. and it's been sort of praised as a good one for beginners so if you've never played a monster hunter game it's quite accessible because that's one of the things that that.
0: always like i shall because i've yet to properly play a monster hunter game myself And Mm. one of the things that's always intimidating to me is that, like, where do I start? Because there's so many of them, right? And there's no definitive, well, you start with the first one, because they're all sort of standalone, but they're all sort of not. And some of them have more mechanics from other games than others. And so I guess this maybe is a good one to kind of get your feet wet with.
2: Yeah, I mean, I obviously, well, not obviously, but I definitely didn't start with the very first one. And I don't feel like they really follow on. Um, so you can really just jump in anywhere and yeah. rise is a pretty good one to to go with what makes uh, it stand out
0: from the rest of the series like what what makes this one unique
2: i'm not quite sure they've added i mean every monster hunter um like iteration they do add new mechanics and things mm. um, but with this one i'd say they've added these things called wire bugs where you can use them to sort of a bit like a hook shot in zelda or something you can just like fly around and yeah. climb up things and it it just makes it a lot more dynamic and a lot quicker mm. um you also get this little dog thing called a palamute um and you can ride it and it's really fast whereas before you'd just be sort of running around and you have this yeah. little cat which is called a palico with you but you can have both now and you can customize it just like your character and spend ages making it a certain way which yeah, so i always do they're
0: giving you the opportunity to customize your appearance more but also giving you more ability to traverse the maps in any way you want but it also sounds like they've added verticality as well which i guess is always difficult in games to implement
2: yeah and it is good because um it's just everything just feels a bit faster Mm. um you can also ride the monsters so you can sort of weaken them enough to mount them and then make them run into a wall or something or if there's another big monster that's popped its head into your little area you can be like i'll fight you with this monster so that's quite fun did they also remove all the loading areas
1: between zones was that in this one like every like as in like like in the previous ones there was a lot of like or were there or were there not loading areas no there weren't were there i'm thinking no
2: they they removed them in world which was on the playstation but they've they brought that over from world so Yeah. yeah that that is good it's a lot more seamless but yeah, I really like it. Um, there's a big expansion coming out at some stage called Sunbreaker, so I'll probably get back into it then. Nice. But yeah, it's, it's been really good. I do like Monster Hunter. I tend to get really obsessed and play mm. it forever and then suddenly I'm like, no, I'm done now. <laughs> well, we, we've talked but, about yeah. in the
0: past how like Monster Hunter brings some of the best elements of like MMO raids, but into like a single player environment to enjoy. So I can see how you can get like really into the nuts and bolts of those battles, you know? Mm. Um, but I speaking of games that have wonderful raids and mmos that do a fantastic job of really immersing you into the nitty-gritty of
1: things you've been very, enjoying very
0: uh, another mmo again uh ja, yes. right?
1: yeah i've been playing we talked about world of warcraft right in literally like only a couple of episodes ago yeah, we had a two-part yeah. retrospective um and yeah i have been playing world of warcraft classic if if we wanted to judge my gaming this year on where i spent the most time <laughs> then it was probably here but but actually i looked because i because in wow you can check out how, how long you've played it and yeah. uh, apparently i played 44 hours on my character which is not a lot. lot no and that just goes to show how little gaming i've done this year yeah if, well, like, that's the most the, you've done the time sinky mmo is is the one that i've put 44 hours into
2: but you only got it a couple of months ago to so. be
1: that's true that is true that's true yeah we've talked about world of warcraft we've talked about I, we talked. Did we cover off classic in our well, yeah? We just
0: uh, discussed what classic was and where we thought right, the game right, right. was going to go, but we didn't really touch too much on how it is to play.
1: Yeah, and like I originally, or like we originally played WoW just after where classic is now, so it's not too dissimilar experience an experience from when I played WoW originally. If yeah. that makes sense. So, and I've not played retail through all of the recent expansions. Yeah, yeah. So, like it definitely feels old school there's a lot of like old school elements about it and a lot of things that are like a bit time consuming that you're like this would not be a thing in a new game
0: Mm. Uh, like Mm -hmm. how
1: expensive mounts are and things like that where you basically just get given them in in retail wow now yeah classic is the burning crusade right now which is the first expansion and so they're undoubtedly gonna release you know they're gonna like work their way through the expansions to some point yeah, i guess yeah. eventually we,
0: we, we could discuss the sort of the ups and downs of that in the mm, retrospective episodes definitely yeah. check that out but just to yeah. clarify you've been playing with tony as well haven't you
1: yes yeah we've both been playing and actually it's it's kind of replaced what heroes of the storm was for yeah. me last year where i played a lot of heroes of the storm with all the you know people that go to the land and stuff like that with world of warcraft classic it's the same like tony and i are playing it we're playing it with tony's cousins we're in the same uh, guild that they're in so there's sort of it's definitely filled a bit of that like social gaming gap that people have kind of stopped playing heroes in the group, uh, so to speak. So yeah, been playing, been playing WoW instead, and I've ha- I've got a very limited view of the game because I have been almost exclusively playing socially, so dungeoning, and I'm playing as a tank. Uh, so yeah, that's like all I'm really doing. I'm not really going through the the normal game um, because. Yeah, that's that's the only time that I play it is when we're playing it as a group. I think though
0: that's a really good indication of like what the game is filling though, right? Because mm. we discussed this in the retrospective and go back and listen to those. Mm. In the these early versions of WoW were very much more social elements anyway. Right. Like we said that like one of the reasons that WoW declined over the years was because of the rise of social media mm. where this was their prior and people would yeah. use this opportunity of oh, WoW
1: to you know socialize with friends online and that's exactly and what it, you're doing now and in some ways you can see how classic is more about that like you do actually you get a first-hand experience because there's things like you can't just press a button to find a group you've got to like type in the chat to yeah, find a group we'll and it with people. if you want to join friends in a dungeon you need to get to the dungeon or you need to be summoned to the dungeon mm. you know so there's sort of there's those things that are like you would consider fixing them as like quality of life improvements, but in a way they add, I would say, to the like, to the social elements, if that makes sense. Uh, another game on your list, Seth, I know is also something that we've talked about, not quite so much as we've talked about World no. of Warcraft this year, um, but we did talk about it, I think, on a soundbite, right? Yes, yeah, soundbite
0: episode 81, uh, yeah. and that is Monster Train. This was one which I was being badgered by some friends to play because they were like, you'll like it you'll hmm. like it i'm like yeah 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 well well you'll like it play the game I'm like, okay okay yeah and it likes it um <laughs> it, <laughs> and they it, were right it pretty much is just a game made for me really it's uh a deck building roguelike game you know very much slay the spire yeah um and uh, you know if anyone knows what i'm like with things like roguelikes and deck builders you know it's pretty much is my jam <laughs> yeah but we won't spend too long on this one because i we have already talked about the, my full experiences with monster train but I do recommend it to anyone that enjoys uh, car games and deck builders, roguelikes, mm. etc. It's on, on, not on offer. It's £19.49 on Steam. And it's available also on Xbox One and Switch, not on PlayStation, which is interesting. Is it in Game Pass? Uh, yeah, I think it is, actually, yes. I think I recalled seeing it on Game Pass the other day when I was looking through. Um, mm. The developers that made it haven't really made anything else, actually. This is basically their main game which I think is kind of interesting. Like hmm. it's a very small dev team, I guess, hmm. um, which is really nice. And they've only released one piece of DLC so far, uh, which just sort of adds more content to it. It doesn't change anything massively, it just adds more content, so like more cards, more enemies, et cetera. So I'd be really interested to see what happens in the future, whether they do another piece of DLC or maybe they make another similar game or like a sequel to it or something like that. Mm. One yep. of the things that I remember not talking about too much in the soundbite episode that I wanted to kind of discuss here just briefly was how impressed I was with some of the quality of life elements within the game. Because mm-hmm. with a game like a car game, deck building especially, where, where you've got to keep track of so many different things, the game does a really good job of telling you all those things in a really sort of like non invasive way mm. so like it'll tell you sort of how many cards are available in the deck that have so many you know procs on them that you need or it'll give you a really good indication of like what card you need to draw for this thing or what cards will ha- what you know what cards will do when you play them and stuff like that and there's also really nice tool tips that come up all the time very useful ones and the ability to sort of like project what's going to happen over the next course of a few moves is really mm. obvious to read and uh there's also like a really good fast forward option as well because there are times when enemies are doing such little damage to each other, like your cards and their, their enemies are doing so little damage to one another that it will take, like, 20 turns to go through the whole process of, like, finally winning or losing. So there's, mm. like, an ultra-fast forward button, so everything just happens at, like, you know, 16 times speed or something, because it's all just kind of going through the motions at this point. But it's nice you don't have to sit there for, like, a good two minutes waiting for them to just kind of, like, kill each other with a thousand cuts sort of thing. Yeah. So it's just little things like that, which I was quite impressed by, because that could be very easily not considered because it's not an issue, but rather adding a feature to remove that as a problem, potentially for some people, is a really nice quality of life, I think, you know? Yeah. Um, The only kind of qualm I have with the game is that I haven't been drawn to play it again. So unlike Slay the Spire, which kind of kept me coming back over and over and over again, there's less replayability here, I feel, because the runs start to become a little bit more samey there's not quite as much variation with some of the decks you can build. Like, it's interesting because you can have like a main and a ally faction, I guess you could say. So you can sort of have like lots of different combinations of factions. There really is dominant strategies to choose. Mm. And you can intentionally not choose them, but you're often hamstringing yourself if you don't. So you often find yourself sort of like falling into the normal play pattern of going for the same kind of card combinations over and over yeah. again. Because it's the most surefire way of winning. So maybe that changes with the DLC. Maybe they'll change something up in the future with like some more expansions or a new game or something like that. But uh, I still really enjoyed my time I played with Monster Train this year. And I highly recommend it to anyone that enjoys things like Slay the Spire. I think another game that came out that's similar, similar sort of vibe to it, but a bit different is Inscription. I don't know if you've seen that one pop up occasionally. Yeah,
2: Didn't that come up? Wasn't that one of Polygon's top games? I think it was their number one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But like there's something i think it's there's much, more to d- it yeah it's, it's a lot more to it than a
0: it's not like monster and slay the spire in the strictest sense but it has yeah. a similar sort of vibe in terms of its mechanics and yeah i, I can i'd be interested to try that out myself because i've not played mm. that myself but i know it's probably going to grab me as
1: well yeah yeah absolutely
0: one game that i didn't finish again this year however which tony did finish and then proceeded to play its bloody sequel um <laughs> was persona five strikers Uh, Because I've tried to play Persona 5 and Persona 5 Royal to the end now multiple times and I kept kept failing to do so. But Tony, you are not so weak at games as I am. You have persevered (laughs) and played the most recent expansion of this wonderful franchise of games. Uh, How have you found it?
2: Um, Yeah. Well, I I just want to clarify that I played Persona 5 ages ago. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Rub it in. (laughs) When it came out. I haven't actually played Royal though, but yeah. Yeah, I got... I think I got it for my birthday or Christmas. Can't remember, but I got it as a present. Basically, it feels like a Persona 5 sequel mm. in every way apart from the combat. So, once right. you're in the combat, it's sort of action combat. So, I mean, when they first announced it a couple of years ago or so, they said it was going to be like a Dynasty Warriors type mm. game. And I, so I thought like Hyrule Warriors, and I wasn't that interested. Yeah. But it really isn't like Dynasty Warriors. I don't really understand where that, I would guess maybe it was developed or published by them. I, I don't think know, it's made by
0: Koei Tecmo, isn't it?
2: Oh, okay. I think so, which is, is why one? I think
0: there's a similar sort of vibe to it, right?
2: Yeah. But it's a bit more, I'd say it's more like Kingdom Hearts mm. than that, which is, I like Kingdom Hearts So a little games, bit so. more like
0: action rather than like button masher?
2: Yeah, so there are combos. It's not particularly complicated, but there are some sort of combos you can do. You can play as all of the characters um, and they all have sort of different styles. And, uh, I mean, the story is really good. I thought it was just as good as Persona 5. Obviously, it's not as long and there's no sort of... I really liked the social aspect, obviously not with real people, but the sort of confidants of yeah, Persona 5. Yeah, yeah, and there's, yeah. there's none of that, but all the voice acting is great and all the scenes are really good just felt like watching an anime where you just occasionally go around and smack things yourself which
0: <laughs> i mean that's not kind of a bad thing considering the fact that like persona 5 is one of the most endearing games in terms of its characters and its story and its locations that you kind of exist within for the time you're playing the game And yeah so having more of that is not a bad thing right
2: yeah i mean what i really enjoyed was the sort of premise of it is that on summer vacation that's where it takes when it takes place for them um so you're not just in tokyo like you're going to the different different cities in japan yeah. and um it's like kind of like virtual tourism in a way nice um but yeah no i really do recommend it um i know a few people probably think of it as as oh, a side game that's not really that good but it's really good and i just love all the menus and the style and the artwork yeah. and things like that it's yeah.
1: And it's not like it was short, right?
2: No, no. I mean, it was about 40 hours um, to beat, but I guess it feels shorter than Persona 5 because that was more like 100. <laughs> so
0: how, how did you play it? What systems is it on? Um,
2: you can get it on Switch, PS4, probably Xbox, I'm not sure. But I opted for PS4 just because I didn't want it to be laggy. I'd, I'd heard it could be, the loading times could be quite long in the Switch version, right. so I got PS4.
0: Because I think it's but, on yeah. PC as well. I think you can get it on Steam, uh, which yes. is pretty really cool. Yeah. But you still can't get the original, which is such a shame.
2: <laughs> oh, that is a bit annoying. Uh, well, we I,
0: the day that Persona 5 comes to Switch and PC is a good day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I'm really looking so forward to trying it as well because one of the things that you, you said that has alleviated some of my fears is that it doesn't feel like a kind of a heartless cash-in. Like it does feel like they've really tried to make this as part of the same series of games and the characters are all there and true to form and stuff like that. Because let's face it, you, you play Persona 5 mostly for the characters and the social interactions with them, don't mm. you? Because they're such unique individual people who you genuinely grow to love.
2: Yeah, no, I do recommend it. It was really surprising in a good way how good it was. So yeah, definitely get it once you finish episode five.
0: And a game that I know you've been playing, Jal, uh, but this time on Switch, which she could have done uh, couldn't have done until this point, was the remake of Skyward Sword.
1: Yeah, I guess a game that isn't surprising in in that it's be, in that it's good. Um, again, we talked about this this in soundbite in episode eighty five. And yeah, the HD remake of Skyward Sword. I was looking it up for this and i don't think we talked about this on the soundbite no it was made by it's made by tantalus media and i do not believe this wikipedia quote but i'm going to quote it from wikipedia which apparently (laughs) tantalus media are best known for pony friends for the nintendo ds which was apparently the best-selling single format australian game ever As in in Um, Australia or made by an Australian company? Made by by an Australian team.
0: (laughs) I mean, is that a really impressive stat or is that just really telling of Australian game development? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know.
1: But more recently they did like the AOE 2, you know, like one of the definitive editions and AOE 3, one of the definitive editions uh, and the Sonic Mania port to Switch as well. So very much like... Port, porting company they've been around yeah. since 1994 they sort of like by a, doing... a b-star studio that does yeah, sort of like smaller they, they, works they've basically been doing like ports for yeah but however long that is like whatever it is i guess you always years. need
0: companies that will do that for you
1: yeah exactly and yeah skyward sword it, it's always really in in my head I always think that Skyward Sword wasn't well received. Mm. Like I always think that like people kind of slated it when it came out, but it got 93 on Metacritic. Like it definitely did, did well. I think the things that it was criticized for still completely stand in, in the HD remake. Like the sky area feels, doesn't feel as good as the, great sea or whatever ocean or whatever it was called in in wind waker like the world doesn't feel super alive because it's all it's kind of like compartmentalized like you can drop into different areas and they're disconnected from each other so it's not like one cohesive world that you kind of move between but it's really interesting to think that skyward sword was the last mainline game before breath of the wild yeah that's
0: that still blows my mind every time i realize that
1: yeah and it's and you can see it Right, when you play Skyward Sword, it's really interesting to play that having now played Breath of the Wild because you go, oh, look, there's stamina, there's equipment that needs repairing. There's like these things that you that are, you know, you think are unique to Breath of the Wild, but actually were already in the game, you know, in, in Skyward Sword. So it added a bunch of new stuff that they pulled through to Breath of the Wild that you wouldn't necessarily expect. It's also much more story driven and much less formulaic than previous zelda games Mm. you know so Mm. it doesn't have that like like it kind of has or you 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 think it's going to have that like three dungeons do a thing five dungeons end the game right it's got like that kind of vibe but Actually, it's a more narrative linear experience It's much more narrative yeah, yeah. and there's not really that obvious kind of like break from one to another and you even go back into old dungeons and like go and like do new things in old dungeons mm. and stuff like that that makes it feel much more like you're exploring this admittedly not all joined up but you're like exploring these different areas and you're going back and you know almost metroidvania style yeah like yeah. going back and like because there's there are only really three areas you're a bit like how are they going to cram in like more of the game into these three areas that i've already been to but then it's sort of um, each area kind of unfolds a little bit more and a little bit more as you play so yeah it's it's surprising how different it is despite you, you know you sort of you you lump it with you know Old Zelda games you know pre Breath of the Wild and post Breath of the Wild but you know it's surprising how how different it was and still is compared to a lot of you know Ocarina of Time or Twilight Princess or whatever yeah it had Um, quite a
0: unique place within the Zelda franchise as a whole how did the remake stack up
1: yeah one I think in general the remake is pretty good a few areas where it's not great or like it's worth noting and talking about one is the graphics are good, but like the style of Skyward Sword was like wa- very watercolor, mm. like painterly sort of style. And that worked well on the Wii because it was quite low resolution. Mm. And if anything, it kind of like helped the Wii out to make the game look good. But scaling that up into something really crisp and sharp makes some areas look a bit weird. Like I think I pointed out to you, right, Tony, like the some of the faces you're like, that just looks bad. <laughs> like it's really like they look like they look really weird because they've been turned into high resolution faces, and yet yeah, it doesn't look great. But mostly, it's fine, and you kind of get used to it. They, the, Skyward Sword was sort of like a poster game for the Motion Plus HD. Yes, yeah. Because right? like,
0: up until that point, the Motion in the Wii was pretty much just a suggestion rather than was, accurate yeah it
1: was basically gestures right rather than like actual proper like what we would consider motion controls now that's sort of like six degrees of freedom type stuff no one ever li- liked those controls for skyward swords it has a lot of like you know sliced diagonally to to do this thing and you know lots of enemies like will block in certain directions and yeah. stuff like that to really like showcase the motion plus in some ways i almost felt like it the motion controls were worse on Switch because it doesn't have the infrared like the sensor bar. So you spend a lot of time resetting to the center because it doesn't actually understand where you're pointing. Yes, yeah. Um so to be honest, I did end up playing most of it with the non motion controls. Yeah, which were
0: implemented like, for this version, weren't they?
1: Yeah, and have to be implemented for handheld and also yep. for the switch light. They were clunky at first. Like at first, you're like, oh my god, I have to hold a button to change so that the analog stick does the camera instead of the sword <laughs> and you're like this is weird but after a you know after a, you know an hour or two of playing you it becomes second nature yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it does make the game easier to be honest like i remember tony you i said to you like why do you start with six hearts instead of three and it's because the combat was so rough yeah. with the motion controls that like you would die if you had three hearts so, yeah, it does make it easier to use the non-motion controls, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. So, yeah, very much recommended. I still mean to post it up to you, Seth, um, so that you believe can believe play you, you played it on, like, the really hard
0: mode as well. Is that right? Like, you tried some of, like, the super difficult versions of the game?
1: Did I play it on the hard mode?
0: No. I feel like Did you I? described, like, playing, like, like, hero mode or something like that.
1: No, there is a hero. I didn't play it on hero. I was annoyed that you couldn't play it ah. on hero mode until you completed the game. Gotcha. And it was like, you could have just put that in. Like, you could have made that an option right at the start, But especially as it's a remake. Yes. Like, it's not a surprise to anyone that there's a hero mode. Hero mode is, like, there's no hearts. I think you have to, like, always use potions mm-hmm. uh, and things take double, like, things do double damage or something like that. But, yeah, it's annoying that that's not available to, to begin with because, actually, it would make it, an, it, you know, you could go, okay, I'm replaying Skyward Sword, but I'm going to do hero mode because like i didn't the first time around or whatever
0: Mm -hmm. well i'll tell you one game where you can play from with super hard mode from the very beginning with absolutely no hand-holding at all and that was another game that i've been playing replaying and then re-replaying again this year (laughs) which was xcom 2 Um, specifically i played the long war 2 mod now this isn't yeah that's a mod right yes yeah so this isn't new by any means this is from 2016 um so this is like a five-year-old plus game and I'm sure people who've been listening to what I've for a while know how much I enjoy the XCOM games, but I'd never played a Long War 2 mod for XCOM 2. I, I played it significantly for the original XCOM Enemy Unknown and Enemy Within um, back from 2012, but I never played Long War 2. So I decided that now was the time to, to pick it up. The the game itself is available on like lots of different consoles like it's PC, Mac, Linux, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and mobile, which is cool. That's great. However, the Long War mod is only available on PC because obviously only the PC is available oh, for of modding, course, yeah. which is a shame because genuinely, just like the previous game, it's basically another game. It, it's it's a complete overhaul. It's not like you know some new content. It's a complete rework of the whole game, uh, and you could easily package it up and sell it as like a full. Full title. Mm. Um, that's how big it is. Uh, the the game itself is thirty four ninety nine or thirty five pounds, whatever. Although right now, because I was just checking out while for the notes, it's actually on sale for ninety percent off. So you can get it for three pounds forty nine. Oh my right goodness! Now. Uh, and the mod itself is completely free. All the mods are completely free. So uh, if you fancy playing a game that is going to suck up literally hundreds of hours for you and you're going to enjoy every moment of it, now's the time to go and buy it. Nice. Um, and this is made by the same guys that made things like the Civ games. It's for Axis Games. So they're they're well known for the XCOM games, the SID games, and other things like that. And I don't need to talk too much about XCOM because I'm sure everyone knows what it is, but with Long War, the original mod for for XCOM back in the day for Long War was so well received and so well loved by both the gamers, but also the developers. The Firaxis studios actually went on to hire the guys that made the mod (laughs) and made their own studio within Firaxis under
1: themselves. So. Oh, so this is an official mod? It's not like like it was made in-house?
0: Yes, it was made in-house. Whilst XCOM 2 was being developed, they were developing the Long War 2 mod at the same time. So like there's there's fully integrated options for adding mm. the mod and then there's fully built in options within the game itself for the mod and how to kind of change some of the options within the mod for the game and stuff like that That's so crazy. it's completely supported it's completely you know part of the gaming experience and it's just incredible how much extra content it adds mm. um, like it doubles the number of classes you have so typically in XCOM you have four classes of soldiers and that doubles it to eight so there's so much more variety in the soldiers you have there's a lot more equipment you can use. The equipment's a lot more varied in its usage, rather than being like uh, limited to what. So, for example, in the base game, only rangers can use shotguns, which are like obviously really good at close quarters. But now, mostly anyone can use a shotgun. Like mm. a sniper can't use a shotgun, but an infantryman can, and so can a medic. You know, it makes right. sense that, you know, anyone can use a shotgun. It depends on what you want their job to be on the battlefield, sort of thing. Right. So there's a lot more versatility with how you can kind of kit your soldiers out and what they can use and there's a lot more enemy variation. And obviously it's in the name as well. It's a much longer game. Like mm. the 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 core game can be finished in sort of like twenty to thirty hours roughly, depending on how well you do. I've been playing now for like fifty hours and I haven't even finished liberating the first continent yet. So it's a much, much longer experience with a lot more investment in the management side of things where you have to Mm. manage resources and commit your soldiers to lots of battles in lots of different places at once. You can't just have one super squad. You've got to have like not far of a whole army's worth of soldiers to be able to manage all the different things that pop up all around the world all the time. And it's it's a real content Mm. goldmine if you enjoy the XCOM series. Mm. Uh, And on top of that as well, like it's perfectly compatible with other mods so i've got about 50 plus mods running all at once some of them do some really minor things like they add some new cosmetics to your soldiers so you can kind of change the way they look a bit more some of them are really major like there's one particular mod which changes how you view all the information on the combat screen Mm. and other ones that add entirely new map types because they're just not enough in the base one apparently (laughs) you know so uh, they're all and they all work really seamlessly with each other i've had absolutely no problems with mods sort of like conflicting with one another Wow, and it's all done seamlessly through the Steam Workshop as well. So, consider the fact that I bought this game five five plus years ago, and I, you know, only spent like thirty five pounds on it, I've gotten like two hundred plus hours of enjoyment out of it, and counting.
1: That's cool. That's cool. It's really interesting, like a game to ha- for a game to have a first, effectively first party mod that is yeah. bigger than the game itself. Yeah, I yeah, guess. yeah, hundred yeah. percent.
0: Most people would agree that Long War is the definitive way of playing these games. Mm, mm. Uh, and going from one style of strategy game, tactics kind of turn-based strategy tony you've been playing a a kind of a weird mix of adventure and rts a real-time strategy right
2: yeah um it is a very strange game it's but obviously i liked it um and it's called 13 sentinels aegis (laughs) rin it's um i got it on ps4 and it's it is a like a mixture of an adventure game and there's an RTS element to it. There's actually technically three sections of gameplay. So it's very sort of like anime style game. Right. It's it's like 2D style characters and things. But the three sections of gameplay are called uh, Remembrance, which is like the adventure bit. So it's a 2D side scrolling storytelling section. It's not platformer. You just play one of 13 characters, hence the name 13 Sentinels, um, go around chatting to people and revealing the story. And then there's Destruction, which is like the real-time strategy side where you, they're high school children as well. So they get in their robots. Of course, it's an anime based of course, the high school. (laughs) Um, They're the Sentinels, the robots. So that's the fighting bit. And then there's Analysis, which is essentially a glossary of everything you've learned, characters and things, because it's really confusing there's 13 characters and you play stuff all out of order it doesn't let you play it all chronologically right certain parts in the remembrance section for a character will be locked behind certain parts of another character's story yeah Yeah. yeah. and yeah uh i thought i wouldn't really enjoy the fighting bit because i don't really like strategy games but it's actually it's, it's not too complex really mm. it's it's just it's not it's so bad easy, for a first
0: time really. rts player effectively
2: yeah yeah and it's it's more just the fighting like element of an rts you're not building anything you're, right, you're basically yeah. just defending a point with your mechs
0: so is it kind of like almost like an rts meets a tower defense game
2: yeah yeah so you you put um you have six characters in each fight and they have a different class essentially so like They'll have you'll have to balance your team based on the sort of enemies you fight, and they're yeah. called kaiju, and they have them um, different strengths and weaknesses as well. Yeah, and they come in waves, and you have to defend the terminal in the middle from them, and you use skills uh, which cost something called EP, and you have to recover it by defending if you use yeah. too much. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it's quite fun. Um, I didn't find that bit particularly hard or anything. But the remembrance bit was probably the most interesting just because it was so story-based mm. and it was done in a very compelling way. It wasn't just sort of dumping loads of information at you. You kind of advance the story through keywords. So you'll be having a chat with another character or whatever and you'll get a keyword from them. They'll say it and it will be highlighted and it'll go into a little thought cloud and you you can use it later or even go back to earlier chapters and use it and it opens up other okay. chapters and it's all shown in this sort of flow chart of yeah, events. Yeah, I get you, yeah. So, I mean, I found it okay to follow, but at first it was quite overwhelming. Like, oh my gosh, there's these 13 ca- characters every time yeah, you met a new one. Yeah, trying to keep one, like, everything seems this? a bit difficult. But it was, it was really good. I really liked it. I sort of blazed through it really quickly, which shows that it was it, it was good, in my opinion. And yeah. I don't know, it's, it's quite unknown, I think. So
0: I've, I've never heard of it. Yeah. But it sounds pretty, kind of a weird mashup of gameplay, and I quite like the idea of it.
2: Yeah, no, I do recommend it.
1: Really it looked good. like a weird mashup of gameplay. Like, it like there's Like, there were some bits of it that were just so different to like when you were doing the like RTS bit or the storytelling bit or whatever. Like, it's just it's all completely different. It's interesting.
2: Yeah, but yeah, kind of a weird one. But yeah, I I did really enjoy that one.
0: I, I'll have to check that out to be honest with you because I haven't heard of it, and it sounds like something to probably enjoy. Mm. And so that's that's kind of all the games that we. Uh, that we touched on this year that we yeah. really, really enjoyed. Um, did you guys have any honourable mentions? I had a couple that I wanted to sort of briefly touch on.
2: Um, I do. I didn't write them down. Um, so I also played Bravely Default 2, which oh, yeah. um, isn't actually the second game. It's the third game, but <laughs> there we go. Very weird, but oh, that that's was pretty really
0: tra- good. That's traditional Japanese bloody naming conventions yeah. for you, right?
2: <laughs> but no, that, that was good. It was a bit sort of, I felt it was a bit repetitive at times, but I did really like it. I love a good mm. JRPG. So mm-hmm. yeah
1: uh there were a couple i was t- tossing up talking about i mean i have still been playing a lot of elite and playing odyssey it mm. wasn't quite you know the thing the hope thing that we were hoping it yeah. was but i've still been playing it
0: maybe that's a uh a soundbite we need to do
1: yeah future, and talk about so. that a little bit more and also uh i played uh nova drift as well which was another recommendation of yours and oh, i'm last year, yeah c- was i'm pretty certain i played some of that this year yes i'm fairly i'm sure i did and yes. that's like uh, i what it's like a 2d like asteroids uh, but like on yeah asteroids (laughs) and it keeps you keep leveling up and you can choose between different upgrades and i just had a lot of fun trying to like optimize certain builds Mm -hmm. and and find like a really op (laughs) builds that like just obliterated anything and that was a lot of fun just like trying to work those out and like looking stuff up online and stuff so yeah that's a couple of honorable mentions from me did you have, uh, I'm sure you had some stuff.
0: Yeah, a few. Uh, just ones that I didn't feel ne- needed talking about too much or didn't really leave a strong impression on me. I had uh, Nimbutsu uh, drone constructor, which in theory is a really cool game where you have to like build these like space-based drones from like component parts to to kind of like a Lego set almost where they kind of all do whatever you want them to do, but in practice it's kind of janky to play and sort of awkward. Like it, it's a nice idea, but I don't think it was executed perfectly. Um, I tried playing Valhalla, the VA11 Hall A, whatever you want to call it, which is sort of reminding me very strongly of things like uh, Red Strings Club and um, 2064 Read the Memories. Oh, yeah. And um, that sort of like visual novel style approach to games. That that was kind of nice. It had a good aesthetic to it, a very sort of cool anime vibe going to it as well. A long-running tradition for me on Octal FM to uh, promote one of my favorite game series of Cook, Served Delicious. I played the third game of that this year. Um, I know Gelada always giggles at me for this one, but just bringing, they're just bringing them out so that you can play them and talk about them. Pretty it? much, um, yeah, phenomenal game, just as good as always, and really good additions. And if you enjoyed the first two, I recommend this one more than ever. Uh, I tried Iron Harvest, which is sort of like a a diesel mm. punk
1: RTS game in the vibe of things like Company of Heroes. That was on our list, wasn't? That was undoubtedly on a Games of Something yeah. year, and list. it was
0: really good. But it the problem is with balance in my opinion in that it becomes a little bit like unwieldy once you get the really big mechs to mm. play with because after that they're the only things that matter um, right yeah. now maybe if you play to like a really high standard and you learn all the meta of it maybe not so much so but just in the single player i found it was very much just to run your big guys into the enemy and win after a short time Um, which put me off a little bit, I must say. But the game itself is really pretty. It looks really nice. And it's just good to have a good modern RTS game to play as well, um, which we haven't had too many of in recent time. Played Far Cry 5. Pretty good. Not bad. Mm -hmm. It's a Far Cry game. It's Far Cry (laughs) 3 again. Not a bad thing. Played Mini Motorways, which we already discussed, which, yeah, listen back to the episode earlier if you forgot <laughs> and i also p- played uh, doom 2016 and got violently ill as a result um, oh my god it gave me Honorable mention for making sickness. you sick <laughs> yeah uh, Sorry, i what? really i had to change some of the settings in it cuz it was giving me motion sickness quite badly
2: oh right <laughs> i thought you meant like the gore you can do yeah. <laughs>
0: I think I, I remember discussing it on one of the episodes of Oclef FM at some point mm. where it's the, it was the uh, Defining an FPS episode we did a few episodes yes. ago, where it's the acceleration is the main issue. The the fact that you can go from standing still to like zooming quick so fast. Yeah, is, Unreal <laughs> Tournament style. Like. Yeah, it, it really set my motion sickness going quite badly. So <laughs> I didn't play a lot of that because uh, it, it wasn't comfortable to play. <laughs> but very fun. Very good. Very enjoyable. I can see why it won so many awards.
1: Nice. Well that's it. Have we have we missed any games? Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I guarantee Obviously we've missed, missed something. Yeah, that's not that's a weird question, isn't it? And of course we've missed some games. Have we have we missed something that is so egregious that we absolutely should have played it and should be at the top of our list for 2022? Well if we did, so.
0: we haven't played chapter three of Fortnite and that's horrendous. The rocks in it for God's <laughs> sake. <laughs>
1: we've got to play that, right? Okay. Um If we have missed the game, you know, or if you think that we should be going into 2022 playing your game of 2021, mm-hmm. then let us know. Uh, you can send us an email show at octal.fm or a tweet at octal.fm on Twitter, or you can come and flame us on Facebook, <laughs> facebook.com forward slash octal.fm. Uh, and keep an eye out for the next episode
0: coming up, uh, after this one, because mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about the games that we're looking forward to in 2022, Exactly, uh, which, I think it's got some games on it from the previous episode of last year Almost and totally. maybe even a game from the May episode before that as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, 2019 um, probably. So,
0: yeah, this just shows the, the game industry is not always reliable when it comes to release dates. <laughs> no, never reliable. Uh, but until then, I've been Seferin. I've been Gelado. And thank you, Tony, for joining us yet again. Uh, I believe you're joining us for the next episode as well. So uh, we'll see you back then. But until then, join us again for another episode of Oxel very soon. Oh, so you won't say I've been Tony, but you'll say bye.
2: Well, I was going to say, like, thank you for having me, but um, it went a bit faster. <laughs> the
1: moment was gone. <laughs> you'll be saying this over the outro music.
0: Oh, great. <laughs> you will be. You always are. Maybe you don't listen to the outros when I edit them, but uh,
2: you're in them. I don't tend to listen to any of the ones that I'm in because I'm just, like, I'm vomiting gently. Oh, <laughs> <get this off. laughs> Don't like, well, no one likes listening to their. Well, clear, clearly, you two do because you have to do it all the time. Me more than, <laughs> me more than
0: anyone else, yeah. I have, to, I have to really listen to my voice a lot. The thing is, I enjoy myself a lot because I know I'm talking some real sense. Exactly. What um,
2: does egregious mean? Egregious. Yeah, you don't. You never use that word. The word "abhorrent"
0: so, something uh, terrible. Something. How could that yeah. be missed? And oh, it's, so, it's an, it's an so abomination. So yeah.
1: So like incorrect, like not offensive, but like so unbelievable. Like, yeah. So, so offending. Offending. Offend, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um